welcome to the Ocean Cruises podcast hosted by Andy H. This week we are speaking with Marissa and Chris from Sailing Abbasid. Marissa and Chris are based in Ventura, California and live on their Chioli 41. They bought their boat fresh out of college as newlyweds with the intention of setting sail to cruise full time. For the past three years they have been undertaking an extensive refit, stripping out the interior and completely renovating the exterior of their boat, picking up some new skills along the way. They produce videos for YouTube about their refit work to add to the sailing community for others to learn and benefit from. They also manage a great blog about their progress. You can learn more about Marissa and Chris on their YouTube sailing channel, Sailing Avacid. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and download the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The Ocean Cruises podcast will be hosting their first annual charter in October of 2021. Hosted by Sail with George Charters in the beautiful island of Syros in Greece. Joining us on a fabulous 56-foot ocean star sailing yacht will be our ocean cruisers, Mandy and Alex of See the Little Things, Maddie and Herbie of The Rigging Doctor, Michael and Joel of Bombs on a Boat, Judy and Steve of Sailing Fur Isle, and Josh Post. Follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages for regular updates and make sure you are following our guests' YouTube channels to watch their coverage and keep your eye on our YouTube page for a full series of The Charter. Did Josh come over to see you guys? He did. did. Yeah, that was yeah. last week. Yeah, he came, last check, week. came check out the boat. And yeah. We didn't actually, I wanted to take him out sailing, but we were choosing the middle of doing work and I was in the middle of doing boat projects. We also, so. we were about to take our floor out too. Yeah. You got so. to see the boat right before we ripped our table out. You're actually sitting on um, yeah, the... Yeah, I should show you what... I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you. Where I am. <laughs> we don't have a floor. This is where the floor is at. So you're on top <laughs> oh, of nice. the podium. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, very so. cool. Is this, is this like a new style or are you doing something? Yeah, some stuff. good old-fashioned boat engineering. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you got to see the boat right before we dug into. We revarnished all of the walls and everything, all the other trim inside the boat. Mm, it's looking really shiny. That we hadn't done yet, and it was like really showing. So the floor has been very abused. Yeah. So we've so, yeah. finally got to the point in our project list where we can actually justify working on it. Yeah. So mm. um, here we are, floorless. It <laughs> Yeah, when you have the wood, it it always gets to that point. I remember when when I got mine, it I don't think it had been revarnished in like twenty five years, and it was so bad. So, you know, you've got the teak, and you can see is it the holly that you have in between the teak, the the lines? You just couldn't see that anymore. It just looked like it was one massive piece of wood, and yeah. you could just about see it. <laughs> but um, yeah, when I when I sanded it down and I looked, I was like, God, this is really nice flooring. I thought it was terrible. I, I was getting ready to go to like the DIY store and buy some of the plastic things, you know, to go on top of it. Yeah, yeah, but it actually ended up looking okay. So what do you need to do? Just revarnish it. Just revarnish it, yeah. And, and there's a lot of our entire cabin's a little interesting. How it, we can take every piece up, so it's all screwed in. Uh, a lot of these other like old Taiwanese boats, the cabinetry is built over the floor. So we are very fortunate that we can take it all up and take it outside and redo it all. That being said, time. since they all kind of float in between each other, um, the edges have gotten chipped and cracked and yeah. broken a lot. Like 
ever like I think it took me two full days just to do this section where I'm yeah. we're sitting right now just to rebuild all of them because they were so broken they're old they just need some love and care and there's a lot of nicks the previous owner oh my goodness you must, you must have yeah. had butter fingers yeah. and just dropped knives everywhere because there's so many gouges and scratches and we don't especially in the galley there's a yeah. ton of, i'm surprised that these people walked away with all of their toes with how many yeah. <laughs> in the floor but uh we've been filling those with epoxy yeah. and then varnishing over and it looks really nice now you can't even tell that they were there so Oh, so that works. You fill it with epoxy and then just go over it. That way, yeah. uh, I didn't want to sand too far. I mean, the boards are pretty, they're like three eighths inch thick, which is pretty good. But more and more you sand, they can, and they kind of become uneven from each other. So I tried to sand as little as possible. So take the old varnish off, we heat gunned it all. This is, this is what we've done everywhere inside. Yeah. We heat gun it all, scrape it all off, and then do like a light sanding. And for like the deep mixing scratches, uh, yeah, you, you basically carve it out until it looks like fresh wood and then fill it with like a clear epoxy and then when you sand it back and put nine coats of varnish over it, it doesn't, you can't tell the difference. There's no gouge. Well, as we've learned, you have to be careful with which drill bit you use because some of them- there, I was using, yeah, I was using a die grinder. It was a, little, it was a little dull and it kind of burned the wood. So now it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like, that doesn't look good. So anyways, you try, anyway. trial and error, yeah. <laughs> it is, I mean, but, it's an old boat. So if it looks good, that you've done pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> They could they could have been clumsy. Oh, just had a kid because I, I I think I spent like a week redoing mine, and then yeah. the next time I was on the boat with my son, I stupidly left like a, a I think it was like a two inch, yeah I think it was I think it was a two inch sea cog because it was a spare one that I got oh. for like the exit pipe, and he just started throwing it all over the place and having a, having a great time, and uh, yeah, remember I went, I went back into the boat and there was just these huge like circular chunks like indented into the floor. I was like, oh my god, what's going on here? So yeah, they could have just said, "Kids, was this the intention to like buy it, make it look brand new again, and then leave?" I think, and yes. as much as I'd like to say it looks brand new, it's definitely everything we've done to it. We have done a lot of work. Um, it, it, we have always had the the, uh, the mentality that it's a cruising boat, so nothing is perfect. Everything get everything does look really good, especially in a uh, like a photo world. But like in person, I I could show you all the imperfections, obviously. Um, We've done a lot of projects. I mean, everything that we've done has been uh, not cosmetic based, but but it's been structural based. Like when we repainted the boat, that wasn't just because we wanted new paint. It's because we completely tore apart a deck, the whole joint, and like reblasted over. And at that point, we had to paint. So there's, there's definitely purpose, been there's yeah. there's just like the rolling snowball effect in this boat, like every boat. But uh, that, that's why phrase. it's taken three yeah. years. Is that yeah? While we're in there, that's while we're in there. Phrase. Uh, while we're in there, I do this and do that and this and that and this and so far. Anyways, that that's basically it. Yes, I think we did sort of understand how much work this boat was going to take. Uh, we didn't necessarily have intend like plans to cruise full time until we bought this boat and like the boat opened up the opportunity for us to, to open our horizons a little bit. And with that mentality, there's a million other things that we could do to if we wanted to like cross the ocean to Hawaii, I would like Hydrovane and all these like kind of you know cool yeah. stuff. But yeah. we are going south into Mexico where it's easy to sail, and so we're just getting water is warm and the tequila flows like water. Yeah. So. We're just getting the boat to the boat <laughs> safe and efficient. And yeah, that's actually that's the premise of all the projects we do is safety. 
Um, there was a lot of things in this boat where aesthetically she looked okay. She needed, you know, just some new varnish and things like that. But once we opened up everything, like, oh, this is not as it seems, especially the electrical. So the yeah. wiring was yeah. an absolute mess. There were wires leading into the bilge that were connected to nothing. There were speaker wire uh, pigtailed throughout the boat. So we were basically a Roman candle waiting to go off for a while there. And mm -hmm. Chris, having built cars in his past and things like that, is ripping it out, starting over. So we ripped out all the wiring, started over. So now we know what each wire does. Everything's labeled. If there's ever an emergency, we can figure out what goes where, how to fix it um, quickly. And yeah. that's a major yeah. safety upgrade. And then of course, while we were in there, we did a lot of painting, um, uh, all these boards, they come off. So we're like, well, well, that's off. Might as well varnish that. So one well, that's project- that's in there, chain plates need to get done too. So it's yeah. like- One yeah. project. <laughs> five very quickly so although yeah. we didn't plan on doing all this work it just kind of came naturally and and we're um, in a really good spot too yeah in ventura and on oxnard it's a there's a lot of like mom and pop shops here not just the big chains of like west marine Depot and lowe's and west marine but we have like a lot of really cool fabricators uh, fabricators and, and just like any yeah. honestly any and everything that i've ever needed i could find it from some guy that's been doing it for 30 years uh, and, and he's hooked us up. So we are in just a good, a good spot. The weather's great here. You know, epoxy, you can do epoxy work pretty much all year. Yeah. Um, it's, it's rarely raining. It's rarely cold. Uh, it's, it's a really good boat work spot. <laughs> yeah. So, which is why yeah. a lot of, a lot of cruisers are found around here. The Ventura Harbor boat yard has been extremely supportive of us mm -hmm. and our plans. They've helped us out more than once with space for odd projects here and there. Cool. So, um, they're really good guys. And then just all the cruisers that come through here as well, everyone has a story and they all have projects. So it's yeah. pretty often you'll be working on a project out on the dock and someone comes by and they tell you that, oh, I did that 10 years ago and here's yeah. what I did. And I use this tool. Have you tried this? So dock talk yeah, turns a... into, into um, help all the time yeah. and inspiration. So it's a good yeah. spot for it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really good to have that community of like support. You know, just somebody around you can get, even if you know what to do, you can just get a second opinion on like, oh, well, what do you think about this measurement? What do you think about this or whatever? Like, it's good, especially if it's the first time like you've done that specific type of projects, like when it gets to like mechanical or electrical, that type of stuff is it's so handy just to have somebody there who's got maybe a little bit more knowledge or, you know, just a second opinion, something like that. We made, we made really good friends with, with really two guys that I talk to all the time. One's a surveyor who does all the surveys in this area. He's known for like 30 years. I call him all the time when it comes to like, <laughs> what is this? And like, how do uh, I do this? a good friend to have. <laughs> yeah. And then the other is a really good rigger, uh, Australian guy that has been doing it for 30 Forever. something years. They're and, both legends in the yeah. area and everyone mm -hmm. who's been through here knows them. So having them in our back pocket yeah. to call. And just very sweet people. So. Yeah. To troubleshoot. They, they often come by anytime they're in the marina, they come by and see what we're working on yeah. and what always give their two cents. <laughs> yeah. And always really give, nice. us the, give us the ribbing. So when are you going sailing? Yeah, like, exactly. Well, it's not working on this thing now. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you guys take the boat out? Because I mean, it's, it's your, it's your full-time home and you, you're based in the marina there. Do you, do you take the boat out and spend a few weekends out very often? Or is it when it fits in between projects? as much as possible projects i i feel like we are getting to the point where this boat is is operational even though we don't floor we could go taking take it out and go sail <laughs> can't walk through it but it's okay yeah this boat is, is off for, for a long time for for i think it was a year and something some change last year we didn't go sailing at all yeah. which was absolutely 
crushing. We, part of it was because we were stuck in the boatyard during COVID. So mm-hmm. right at the beginning of it all, we got stranded there um, without knowing really what the future held. Uh, there was one point where Chris was actually trying to talk to the crane operators to figure out, hey, if things go south, how do we get our boat back yeah, in the seriously. water? How do I operate this thing? So this <laughs> right. is a very real possibility. We were scared. Yeah. There's, there's a week there where we were the only ones in the boatyard. So it was a ghost town. So things like that happened. And then right after that, it was projects piling on top of each other. We were back in the water from the boatyard, but the deck to hole joint wasn't necessarily 100% finished. We had to put the bulwark on. on. We were right in the middle of doing a big, like our, our nav station. So the, uh, I rewired the boat right after we got back into the water. So we had wires everywhere. Um, there's there just a lot of stuff. And also yeah. too, like when, when COVID hit, we, I lost my job hundred percent. She was still working, which was great, but her job definitely floated us through living expenses. And we lost a good amount of income during boatyard time, which was when we were spending a lot of all of our money. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of time too. When we got back in the water, things kind of, I mean, I was still doing a lot, but things took t- more time to get done. And Chris took um, on, because he does cinematography, yeah. that's that's his profession. So when Hollywood completely shut down, um, he was focused on the boat, which was yeah. a silver lining because right. a lot of projects got done. And then other people in the dock noticed the projects that were getting done. So he did get recruited to helping with some bigger projects, which yeah. is great. So he did uh, work on his boat right skills and he actually yeah. was building fishing boats for a hot minute there. Sure. Oh, so, forgot, forgot. Yeah. 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 yeah and I, I worked at a boat yard for, for like six months building uh, like 25 to 30 foot fishing boats, but like just getting these boats all the way down to the bare hole and reglassing them of all, all 1708 yeah. and like by axle and, and goose aboard and then a cell. It was, it was a that's really nice experience. It was crazy. Yeah. It was good. Uh, I learned, a, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a really, I'm, I'm just, I know a lot about glassing. Like I, I've done, I, we, we used to go through like 55 gallon drums of resin every week. I mean, we were just grinding and fiberglassing and then grinding and fiberglassing. Like you would come home every yeah. day, just covered in fiberglass, head to toe, completely. Yeah, I don't now even he, react to the to like itchy anymore. It's, it's insane. He's, I'm actually convinced that Chris is mostly made of fiberglass <laughs> now. He's all fiberglass resin. So if he yeah. ever gets a cut or something, we know how to fix him. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Anyways, but during that time, yeah. yeah, we were extremely pressed for time, money, and our main focus was just getting the boat ready because we knew that at the end of all of it, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We will be sailing out towards that light. So um, this oh, year, yeah, we've, done a, we've lot done a lot more sailing. sailing. Now it's in the opposite spectrum of like my work's picked up 10,000%. <laughs> so now I'm working not on the boat at all, really. I mean, I am every single time I'm home, I'm working on the boat, but yeah. I've been working a lot on all these other camera jobs. So now the sailing is taking precedent around the work status, which I hate. I'm, I'm so done with that. And I'm ready to like not do that anymore, which we're getting very close to, which is awesome to feel. Yeah. Um, but, but we, yeah, I mean, the last few months we've just been building up our cruising kitty basically. And yeah. So we're and even close. even yeah. though we haven't been sailing on Avocet recently, I mean, we went out a couple of weeks ago. We just sailed up to Santa Barbara for, yeah. for a few days, which was great to have motion under the keel again. But um, even though when Avocet is not operational, we have so many friends in the area that are like, hey, we're going sailing this week and you want to come with us? Yeah. Absolutely. So we still get all that time on the water nice. and 
all the experience is better. When you get on other people's boats, you learn new things. You see oh. things from a different perspective. So that all stacks up in the back of your mind and you're able to apply that when you're sailing yourself. Like, oh, I remember when this person did this. So it all helps. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's, it's good, just especially because you're in the process of like, you know, upgrading your boat and doing stuff. It's good to be able to go on other people's boats and just be like, oh, does their engine make this noise? Or does their toilet do this when it flushes? And then you realize yeah. you've got a problem. Which... Yeah. <laughs> not normal to hear the floorboards shake when the engine's on. Yeah. 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 And about like, like, there's a lot, like we went on a newer, a newer Geno. And it's like a brand new boat. And, you know, I, I had high expectations. Like this thing's going to be They're very rad. comfortable, very comfortable, very cool. But like, there's just certain things. And I'm like, wow, I really like my boat a lot more compared to this. Or like, that's cool too. I like that. But it's just cool to be able to just go on different boats yeah. and, and get a, a, I mean, cause other than that, you see what's on the brochure and it looks cool and it looks great, but it's you never a whole know different world when you're out, yeah, when you're out in the ocean, yeah. swells kicking and that's 15 knots, 20 and all that kind of good stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah. I do wonder with some of the new lighter boats because it's like e even through the mid '90s, like to the early 2000s, if you weren't specifically getting, you know, like a four cabin, 35 footer type of thing, they they weren't made for charters. You know, they still did make boats for people. Um, like your, I mean, how old is your boat? Like 50 years old or 60 years she's old? 79. She's a 79. So she's 40. Something. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah. Coming up to the 50s, and it's. Yeah it's strong i wonder if like these new genos that are made today are going to be there <laughs> like in 50 years thing to think about yeah. chris has done a lot of work on newer boats here and there so there's a lot of notes to compare um, between the two different builds they definitely don't build boats like they used to that doesn't mean that they're not as strong there's a lot of new technology which is great it's just yeah. i think i think the way they're like the, the way the holes like you know it's all vacuum bagged and it's yeah. all these high axle like that's cool like that's really cool yeah. and that's how they get them so thin because they kind of know what the, the the performance of that glass is that's i think that's i mean that's why our boats our boat is so our boat weighs <laughs> twenty seven thousand pounds and, and the hull is like an inch and a half yeah. thick in most areas they just didn't know in the 70s how strong fiberglass was so like the mentality is like keep overbuilt building keep it up and it. <laughs> just keep going yeah we're a tank we're yeah. a floating no, tank it, but she's yeah. heavy we have some core samples great, thank god but, uh... <laughs> yeah we have a few core samples and just looking at them they're like this thing yeah. like wow yeah. that's insanity yeah. and chris's boat is the same so, way yeah, she, she has she a mason 43 and mm -hmm. uh, chris's dad used to love that kind of stuff and yeah. it passed they on drove naturally. Off or something like that and he, he always kept the the cutout of it yeah that's so. kind of like a yeah I think he passes around. It's a conversation piece. You yeah. want to see how thick the boat is? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> show show off with it a little bit. Yeah. No, it's good. I mean, it helps a lot when when you're um, when you're on anchor as well. Like you you really notice the difference. We um we did we we didn't get enough cruising in this year because we I was like from the COVID stuff I was really delayed in doing all the repairs I needed to do and then I didn't have any work for like a year and then all of a sudden. I think like April this year, I got loads of work. So I was like, okay, I can't sail. I need to actually earn some money. And um, so we, we didn't get that much in, but we did, um, we did a couple of trips and like the difference in between spending an hour on my boat and then just like spending an hour in a friend's boat where I think he is, uh, he's got like a um, Beneteau first, which they're so fast. Like they're so, you, do, you just don't need any wind to move them. Like they're crazy. Um, but yeah, God, the difference in comfort, like when you're just in an anchorage and like, you're, you know, you're doing this and then you're looking over and your friend's 
<laughs> you know, like going all the way up, you know, actually money isn't that bad. Yeah. It's actually sure. one of my favorite things about Avocet's design is she's, she's a beamy girl. She does have a little bit of tumble home to her and she carries her curves under the water line. So she sits very low in the water, which is amazing because Squatty. when we're in some heavy swell, she goes with it and we don't get pushed around and tossed too much, especially at anchor. We, we're not um, really, we're rarely uncomfortable at anchor. So, I mean, to a certain extent, all boats can be uncomfortable, obviously, but yeah. To a certain extent. Um, yeah. Okay, so like with, with regards to where you are based now, is, is that where you lived before or did you like choose to get a boat and put it in that marina in that town? Yeah, funny story about that. So when we were first looking for a boat, we were and just about- the biggest drink ever, what is that? It's a tea, it's not a beer, I swear. It's that is huge. <laughs> My God. It's the American style <laughs> version of a calendar. <laughs> and full of sugar, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my apologies. That, that just fascinated me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, way back in 2018 or 2017, when we yeah. first started the boat hunt, uh, seriously, we were just about to graduate college and yeah, in 2017, we're about to graduate college, get married, and move out of North Lake Tahoe. And we had the intention of moving to San Francisco Bay, which is kind of our home waters. Chris grew up sailing in San Francisco Bay on his family's Mason 43. So the intent was to get a small crash pad, you know, like a Catalina 36, something comfortable um, that we could live on while Chris continued his studies in college at San Francisco State. Well, we started hunting for a boat and we found a Catalina 36 in Southern California. We're absolutely convinced that this would be the perfect boat for us. We stepped on board and with four grown adults, it was the two of us, Chris's older brother, John, and then the seller. And all four of us stood there and like, wow, this is not a whole lot of space. And we yeah. have quite a bit of stuff. Well, so, that was the thing, like you would open up like a cupboard and instead of it being storage, it was like, it was a tank. And it's yeah. like, oh, and then like, yeah. like you go behind or you go anywhere really. And like there, maybe there is a cover, but it's like this, it's like that. It's you very know. thin. Uh, deep so so although it was a comfortable boat we were thinking logistically we're like okay chris has a lot of camera gear and we have a lot of tools and this and we have a cat so yeah. we were absolutely crushed we're like this boat is not for us and we were so upset but luckily there was a boat for sale across the way and chris's brother made the suggestion so you guys driven, like, there's yeah, more boats out there hours down there to find it yeah or to look at that boat so we and so anyways he looked at his phone like hey we should go look at this guy this boat because it's right across the way like let's make the trip worth it basically yeah let's look at more boats so we might as well we went asked the seller the broker and and it was available to look at so we went over and basically stepped down inside the boat uh i was like back at home because this boat <laughs> is just like the mason where everything's teak inside yeah. uh it's a heavy displacement boat so you step on it and the whole thing doesn't go like you know, like it just kind of stays flat yeah uh marissa walked down the steps and she hated the layout because our layout's very interesting it's very different like we have a big horseshoe very far forward even though we do have like a small v-berth but the hangout area is pretty far forward on the boat and it's like um, an open floor plan it's basically yeah. like a studio you can see from yeah. the cockpit all the way to the v-berth which yeah. is great and i love that because you can keep an eye on everything below deck and crew but yeah. um not being familiar with that design and the benefits at the time i walked down and i said i hate it and then chris's <laughs> brother chris's brother were like okay well let's just hang out for a little while longer get the <laughs> mind you at this time we were anticipating a smaller Catalina 36 type caliber boat. That was our budget. Yeah, it's very different. Very different. We were still college kids. 
just about to get married. We had no money. Yeah. So we saw this boat and we're like, it's cool and everything, but I just, I was like, there's just no way. There's no way. Like A, there's no way I can buy it. And B, there's no way I can afford to, to work on it. Cause it, yeah. needs, it needed a lot of work. She um, had some love, but yeah. the seller was actually the daughter of the previous owner who um, lived aboard and cruised a lot. So he loved the boat. He like, was not he in good health for like 30 years, for 30 yeah. years but yeah. he wasn't in good health. So um, the daughter was helping facilitate the sale. And Chris wrote a really nice letter explaining who we were, our background and what our intentions would be with the boat. And thankfully she responded back and we came to a price where we could actually justify yeah. buying her. So nice. bought the boat. Yeah. Still with the intentions of sailing up to San Francisco Bay, but after working down here in Southern California, being outside, you know, scrubbing the deck, doing varnish in shorts and a tank top and just enjoying the scenery. We're like, you know, this isn't that it's bad. Pretty this is pretty nice. Yeah. In the Bay Area, we'd be in trench coats yeah. and rain jackets right now. So. And for me too, I started to work a lot more and I was always working in LA. So like the fact that we were in Ventura, we're only about an hour and a half yeah. out LA. It's as close as, as LA to I, that I would like to get, but it's it's uh, it's really nice. So we're yeah. in just a good spot. And the Channel Islands are so close. The Channel Islands are the Galapagos of the West, and having those as cruising ground for shakedown cruises and testing all of our new systems has been phenomenal. Awesome. It's great to be able to test ourselves as sailors and test the boat and push ourselves and the boat to her limits and figure things out. So. Yeah. Um, we were hooked and that is why we are here. We actually, when we first bought the boat, we had San Francisco as her hailing port and mm. we actually just changed it to Ventura. So um, here we are, here we are. Here we are. So, What's here. it like for costs down there? Like how much do you pay for a marina for a month? Yeah, so it varies down here. Um, generally in this area, it's pretty hard to find liveaboard spots. That's okay. just California coast in general. But the best advice to anyone who's trying to get a liveaboard spot is be friendly with a marina, show them pictures of your boat, and make sure you have a recent survey. Um, those are the things that they look for. So it makes it a lot easier. Because if, yeah, if you're yes. going to call any marina basically in California and say, hey, I like a liveaboard, they're going to tell you to pound sand. They just, it just doesn't, like really, like they, we're full. It, no one ever <laughs> says, yeah, totally, come on in. Like we got tons of room because every single year cities are cracking down more and more on the, yeah. uh, the liveaboard status. Like it used mm -hmm. to be 30%, I think in San Francisco uh, that they allowed of liveaboards in the, in the marina and then they cracked it down to 25, 20, 15. And now I think it's five, it's either 10 or 5%. I mean, it's like low compared to what it yeah. used to be. And, and it's the same thing here. It's unfortunate because there are people that ruin that for everyone. Yeah. You know, there's the derelict boats, the people who abandon them. They live the pirate's life and not the yeah. glamorous version of it. So they put a, it's, it's yeah. yeah. So it definitely doesn't help. But generally in the area, the costs are pretty actually good. It's a blue collar town here in Ventura. So slip fees can go for a 45 foot boat anywhere from $600 to $800. And then live aboard yeah, it's yeah. not bad. And yeah, then live true. aboard, it depends on the marina, absolutely. But for two people, it's generally around like $300 additional. So that's common knowledge. Right. That's welcome to share that. But yeah, that's <laughs> in the general. Interesting. So, so, does, so California is a state that has regulations on the marinas of how many people are allowed to live. Oh, and it's, yes. it's different for every state. And so. the regulations are getting beyond just live aboard. They're getting absurd. They want us to record 
what type of paint every single boat has and how much is leaching into the water and how many boats we can bring it. Yeah, the California, stay yeah, away. It's a lot. We're sailing away for a reason. That's insane. That, that, yeah, <laughs> that is so over the top. Yeah, to A, maintain a boat and B, like keep it. It's just, yeah. the materials are just getting more, like we've had to, on multiple occasions, That's we've true. had to drive out to Nevada to buy the stuff we actually need. Because other like like you you get water based paint and you get like you can't even find oil based stuff anymore really in, in, in the, or in the any area. strong alcohol based yeah, like, like even mineral spirits has been outlawed here so it's it's crazy yeah yeah so you can't buy mineral spirits in California it's odorless. By odorless but it's <laughs> it's a much different stuff odorless and it's like instead of mineral spirits is usually clear we sh I usually actually burn it in our lanterns uh odorless is it's like a murky color and it doesn't burn clean it's not and i, I used to use it for varnish and all this other stuff yeah so we've had to get creative with sourcing yeah. things like chris uh, said driving eight hours to las vegas nevada which is four from here four yeah four hours to las vegas nevada to go on a shopping trip yeah. for all these outlawed yeah. boat products get, so. like, when, we did, when we did our fridge i had to they didn't have the the insulation. proper insulation too oh I you, you put that in the video didn't you you had to yeah. go and do this massive trip and it was like half the price or something yeah oh, it, was, gosh. it was like like even in factoring paying four dollars a gallon for my you know truck that gets 10 miles a gallon it was it was still cheaper to go out <laughs> there and, and get it yeah so yeah. it's crazy yeah. what we do they get... do do they just like put taxes on stuff or do they like will they just say to like west Marine, for example you can't sell that paint on this awesome. yeah. if, it, if it has a proposition to possibly cause cancer which i understand is bad uh like it, ju it just gets outlawed i mean like there's just there's just california has a no bunch of glue sniffers it. yeah so many yeah. glue and paint sniffers here so they can't sell anything <laughs> or no, like the, and like like yeah aerosol cans <laughs> Tide pot. I mean, all these things are just locked up now. Like you just have to go into a store and get yeah. a key to get it out. It's Laundry just, detergent. You, know. you can't. There's some stores that lock there's up some their really tide smart pods. People in this world. Oh my god. So. Yeah, but everyone started eating those things. So. <laughs> I remember. Well, looking, I think that was like a couple of years ago. I I don't really spend that much time on like um, Facebook or yeah. TikTok or anything like that, but. Remember, my wife was like, "Oh, this, th these people are eating these things. It's called the Tide Pod Challenge." And I, and I thought it was like a tadpole challenge. Do you know where you get the baby frog and you eat it? And I was like, "Well, that makes sense. They probably do that in China or something for like a delicacy." And then, it, and then it was the detergent. I was like, "What? <laughs> How is this popular?" Yeah, boredom does some strange things. Buy a boat and you'll never be bored, though. You won't have time to eat Tide Pods. Yeah, you'll just be running around trying to source paint that isn't going to. <laughs> I do what I don't even know but <laughs> I don't know where they come up with those rules yeah. oh it's exactly. not oh, so you, you probably just get a lot of people that won't do boat work in the states because of that well you you got boat people that are going to do the boat work but they're just using inferior that's that's my whole issue with these these propositions that get put into outlaw the good stuff like when it like uh we had we had well varnish is one you can still get decent varnishes in in uh, california but like to refinish a cupboard in our boat uh, we like to use two-part epoxy paint because it mm. just lasts forever and i don't have yeah, to go like in a rock. Rock to do that again uh there there's a there's a company called sherman williams uh they make a, a, a product called tile clad it's a really great paint uh, anyways you put that in there and it'll last 30 years like it just mm. will uh but the, the California way is that you're going to put it in there with some water-based paint or something that's going to last 
three years or up until something yeah. spills in there. Like that, that's my only issue is that uh, you're going to do the project multiple times because you're just going to constantly not have the right materials to do it once and done. So mm -hmm. that's, I yeah. guess that's the mentality. And that's why there is a ton of boat work in this area. And it's just, it's just constant maintenance. I mean, like there's, there's a, there's a lot of people around this area that are just doing just constant reapplying of all these other types of things. Yeah. So and I'm not saying that's just like, I'm not saying that is the issue in our, in our state, but it's, I think it's becoming more of an issue is all I'm trying to say. Especially as mm -hmm. older boats are starting to phase out They're yeah. they cost a lot more to maintain because there's oh, yeah. not a lot of people that know how to maintain them properly. I mean, there's so many people that don't use the right type of wood finish because they don't realize that the type of wood that they have needs to be able to breathe. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of people that'll slap something on there and then their wood looks horrible underneath or mm. it rots and then it you'll have to rip the whole thing out. You can't source teak anymore because old growth teak doesn't exist. So yeah. there's a lot of people that just don't know and it's not necessarily their fault. They just don't have the the opportunity to work on them. But this is a, this is a ramble. This is a ramble. Yeah. I could go we could go on and <laughs> work it's our thing <laughs> well you've done a lot of it now so i suppose you've got the experience of it yeah yeah so, and that's all we want with our channels we want to make sure all of the projects that we do we provide enough source material to help other people understand why we did things the way we did yeah. um every time we produce a video or a blog post or an article we want to make sure that we're we people don't think we're doing it to be famous we want to be helpful because mm -hmm. the boating community is what it well, is there's because there's of just it. an insane amount of research yeah. i've done that you've done on every project we do i mean there's there's hours of of research that goes into it like when we built our battery i mean there was weeks that i spent on the Months. computer trying to figure out what yeah. to do and like anyways so if there is and i don't think that our videos are necessarily as detailed as it's not like a guide i don't think that i don't think our videos yeah, are like that so. but it's i think there's a point where like if someone is really interested i I can, I would ask you to like reach out to yeah. talk to us because that's, that's what I think that I would actually, I mean, that's what I think I'm most helpful is if someone is actually interested in something like that, then I can talk to them on like a personal basis and try to figure yeah. something out. That's why we do videos is to try to make that connection. So yeah. And for people who are interested, I mean, we're going to do the videos regardless. We like documenting what we've done to the boat. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really fun to look back at some of our first projects. Like when we remodeled the head, we're like, wow. If I that forget, no, I, told, I, told, I was going through my phone the other day of like the photos of us in the boat yard, which was about a year and a half ago. And I just, I just blocked all that out. I don't remember all it's the stuff the we've done. It's crazy. It's the toxic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, probably, <laughs> it's probably the stuff California wants me to not yeah. use. But, uh, anyway. But yeah. That's, what got uh, you into, I mean, I know you, you do um, cinematography and stuff, right? What, what actually got you into wanting to, uh, like make these videos and turn like your DIY projects into like educational sources for other people. Was, was it, was it you just wanting to practice a little bit or something like that? I think there's a couple things. Um, my brother, uh, who was SC Prism, they started doing videos back, uh, right. I mean, honestly, before the YouTube craze of what it is, the sailing community now is, um, they started a long time ago and they did a lot of travel based stuff. And I, I mean, there's a lot about his, his lifestyle that he's chosen and there's many other people who have gone the similar path mm -hmm. that I really like. I think for, for me and him, we were both raised in a household that my dad was a photographer for over 30 years. So we just always have a camera in our hands. So I think that's why we initially started doing videos is that I just wanted to film the stuff that we were doing. Like it was just kind of natural instinct for me. Um, 
and ever since then, since we do have some sort of following, and I, I mean, I really like the sailing community in especially the DIY stuff because I can just nerd out about that kind of stuff. Uh, I think, I mean, I think that's why is that I just, I try to show people what we're doing because I think we're doing a pretty good job on the boat. And if we're not, then someone can reach out to us in a better way than I think, I think with anything, it's just, it's just, uh, it opens a dialogue. Yeah. It opens it the dialogue, opens dialogue and just, just, yeah. Community is better yeah. with, with more people's inputs usually, I guess. Yeah. So like, obviously Chris is a cinematographer for work, so it can be a little bit of a struggle. Yeah separating work from fun because our videos are not any real representation of what Chris does. I mean, yes, he does have the opportunity to be be creative here and there, but in the grand scheme of things, the videos that he produces for work are documentaries that are viewed on T or on um, the BBC and stuff like that. Yeah. So on the BBC and things like that. There's like different teams behind the stuff that I'm doing to make that good. And, uh, and there's a lot more time behind it too. A lot of the, a lot of, I mean, I feel bad sometimes that we just don't have the time to put behind our videos because we're doing all the boat work too. And work and other work. So it's like, uh, yeah, doing the boat work and then trying to film something is not the the first thing that I want to do. Um, and, and then edit afterwards and as you know too, editing just, oh it, my gosh it takes forever to get like that's why we do every every month if that because yeah. it just takes forever so yeah we yeah. want to be very honest with our following like i said we're not in this to be famous we don't post to youtube because we want to be the next la vagabond we're, we post to youtube because it's fun for us to be a yeah. part of the community and um share with people this is what we've been up to have you done this before is there anything we could do better so we've actually made a lot of friends online that way and we're headed to the Annapolis Boat Show next month, and we actually get to meet them in real life, which is going to be so bizarre to actually like see them in real life besides just through screen. So, um, yeah, things like that are are really fun, and the video production it can be fun too, but it can also be stressful. So that's why we don't push doing more than one video a month, at least right now. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand the reasoning behind that. Like I, I am. Um did a uh, did a trip with my with my friends who put the document their you know life on youtube uh, the, the sailing channel called see the little things and i i always watch yeah. their videos and i was like they're really good at doing it like they're really good at shooting it they're great at editing they, they make really really nice videos and um, when i was with them i was like god this is so hard like you have to video like everything and then you have to spend that. <laughs> i was like it's a really hard job and then um I, I can't remember. I was I was in a boatyard and I was doing something, and, and Alex was like, "Oh, you should record that and put it online because nobody's put that project online." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, that could be helpful because uh, I, I like watching the DIY stuff." And yeah, about five minutes in, I was like, "Okay, now I need to do something different." I was like, "Oh, I need to change the way the camera looks." I was like, "Oh, this is too many things at once. I'm not doing this." It's <laughs> like, so hard, especially when you're doing DIY projects, and you know the the what you're doing is constantly changing. To then like switch over and move a camera and then think, okay, now I need to talk about what I'm doing. I'm, I'm like, oh no, no. <laughs> like, there's there's get, no way I'm getting uh, to that. I get mads from sale. You watch Sale Life at all? Yeah, yeah, Mass. Yeah, the guy's a legend. Like, it's <laughs> crazy amount of work. Especially like, especially when he was in the heart of his refit. Like he was, he was just you know, hands were covered in glass in fiberglass, and he was somehow changing the camera for and he was getting like cool shot i'm like little like here's a shot there here's a shot here here's a shot there of like one thing and he did that i mean like every single week for yeah. five years Mads and yeah, sam so. and sam i mean yeah, it's, it's incredible but, but how he has a little bit more help now yeah. at least uh matt i mean for a while Mads was a lot all alone and he was doing it by himself so yeah uh, 
it's incredible. I, I, I could not have done that. And a lot of the times too, I'm the one doing a lot of the boat projects and Marissa's the one filming. Um, like in our last because video. Because I, I just kind of like dive into something <laughs> and start doing it and she gets back to the boat like, what are you doing? You're not filming. I'm like, nope, I'm not. So grab the camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's extra hard for me because I see Chris doing all these amazing things and I want to know more because I did not grow up in a sailing family and or a family that really did these hands-on projects where Chris did. So everything that he has done is, and this boat in general is very new to me. So um, I figured if I'm interested in this and there's probably someone else's too. So I usually grab the camera. I'm like, Chris, what are you doing? Explain. <laughs> I need to know. To stop working, turn around, talk nonsense to a camera <laughs> and get back to work. Yeah, we'll just do voiceovers later because yeah. he'll be like uh, yeah. saying something as he's talking to me. I'm like, okay, can you look at the cameras? No time. If there's two of you, it can work okay because one person can just yeah. get on with it and they're not really hindered by it. And Absolutely. Yeah, can work. yeah, we just uploaded our latest video today. It's actually, it has nothing to do with Avocet. Chris built a bowsprit for a Hans Christian 43. We've posted about it on um, Instagram before, but we finally yeah. released video and I do not make a single appearance in the entire video. It is 100% a Chris project, even yep. though I was there for part of it, but anytime you see the camera moving, that is me. Sure. So I am there. <laughs> um, just not getting my hands dirty, but yeah, it, it was a great video yeah. and things like that where it's like you don't see that every day yeah. i've never see seen that it was fascinating i just watched that because I just, I just saw you put it online and I, I saw you put some photos of it a while ago maybe a couple of months ago or something and i was like whoa that's how they actually do those but so much work like so much work went into doing that and it looks perfect yeah. like it looks amazing thank you i appreciate that yeah it was uh, crazy it was a crazy <laughs> amount of work crazy amount of, a lot more than i anticipated and i and i tried to get better with um, I try to get better at like trying to bid projects when it comes to the uh, the time that it takes behind it. But that there was a lot more behind that than I had thought. But mm. it, I mean, I actually I think that being said, uh, there was a lot more of the fitting process that that's what took forever on that boat. Yeah, I actually built the bowsprit in three days. Like that, it didn't take it really quick. that much time. But like the whole like fitting in, oh this this fitting doesn't fit and that thing doesn't you know align here. Tuning. That took, took like two months. I mean, that's forever. And waiting so. for materials to arrive because yeah. of COVID, delaying everything. Oh, yeah, so of course. That's what took so long. I mean, you started that project in May, March, May? May. I think May. Yeah. In yeah. May. And it was done within three days. It was amazing. It was incredible. Was it June? I don't know. Whatever. It was sometime. Yeah. But no, it looks, it looks really, really good. What's it like getting woods there? Because, like, the, the topic of, like, sustainable woods is, like, quite interesting now. It's What's that like in California? Took, it took, even just doing that took about three weeks, like almost a month, just to source it and get it to us because it's like, well, yes. Yeah. Wood that was yeah. used was sapele, which is a really yeah. good. It's, mahog yeah. it's a mahogany. And it's really great. It's stronger than teak, and it's it laminates really. It's not as oily as teak, mm. uh, so it laminates really well. It glues really well. Um, it's not as resistant to bugs and rot as teak is, uh, mm. but everything's a trade off. And uh, we also thought about doing this, like our, on our bulwarks, we use a Brazilian wood called Kumaru. Mm -hmm. And that everything about that wood is awesome. And I really love it, but we needed a specific, we needed it to be at least eight inches wide. Yeah. And that's really hard to find. So like, yeah, yeah the fact that we actually found an eight inches wide and 14 feet long. Uh, that was, that was difficult to find and 11 boards. I mean, that was, and that was, it was a whole tree. Basically. That was, yeah. Mm -hmm. for 
orders like that, we order wood for things like that in our bulwark. But like Chris mentioned earlier, we have so many resources around here. There's actually a lumber yard called GNS Lumber here, which has a bunch of just older uh, and timber and lumber and all that kind of stuff. So they, nice. they have some old growth teak still that just has been hiding in the back since the 70s, which oh. we've I feel bad giving out our secrets here, but we have used that on numerous occasions. We run over there and we find what we need. We're like, perfect, this will go in the boat. So uh, we source wood that way, which is a more sustainable, recyclable way. And since so many people know that we love our teak, there'll be boats that are getting scrapped and they'll call us like, hey, we have some teak doors here. Do you want them? We're like, yes, absolutely. Do not throw those away. We will be right there. Wow. So, yeah, the only piece of wood that we bought was, was the bulwark. Everything else is, has been like, yeah, sitting in a garage for yeah. the last 30 years and um, it's going to get scrapped. Like so. in our head, we built a... Yeah, the new countertop and the seat mm -hmm. all out of the old door that I found in the, in the our neighbors had the audacity to throw away a teak door just put it in the dumpster and Chris it was really hilarious actually <laughs> yeah I, I like when they were our, our slip neighbors at the time and I had gone up to the, uh, to get something out of like the car and I went past the dumpster because I'm like a dumpster guy I find lots of good stuff there he really anyways does. but I, I go past the dumpster and there's a giant like you know teak door in there I'm like what's that and I like go, go in there and for sure enough grab it out and I pull it down and I it's like Christmas and like my neighbor was there yeah some idiot threw this whole door away like what a total fool and he's like yeah that's awesome. <laughs> well, don't do that don't do that <laughs> I actually just bought a diesel duck um up in where are they now they're on the east coast they're somewhere on the east coast so they they bought a huge old boat but right before they left they called us like do you want anything from our storage unit we'll be right there so they went across the country everything so. yeah so we have a lot of their hand-me-downs and it's nice to be able to implement things like that into our boat because it's something more so we have a piece of their door they'll always be with us no matter where we go yeah um, no, that's really that, that makes it so much more interesting as well when you can find bits and like add, add a few things in from here and there that's really cool absolutely it's it's really cool way to rethink a project and Chris and I we both like to think as sustainably as possible unfortunately boats are not as green as people like to pretend they are True. the idea the whole overall concept is living simply yes that's absolutely sustainable but in the sad reality we are living in big plastic tubs yeah, that yeah. take us from place to place and obviously the things that we use to work on them are not always clean but by doing preventative maintenance, we are keeping these old boats in use and out of the scrapyards, um, which does justify the means of continuing yeah. on. It's better than yeah, for sure, yeah. buying something brand new, which takes time, resources, and all that. So yeah. it's a it's a gentle balance, but sure. yeah, sustainability is definitely a hot topic in wood as well as other aspects of sailing yeah. life. I mean, I know. Wood. go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I know like quite a few of the new manufacturers, I mean, I don't know all of them, but quite a few of them now are moving away from teak just because it's um, it's so bad for the environment. No, yeah. not, not to cut it down and use it, but to actually transport it from the countries where it needs to come from to Europe, where like most of the boats are made. Um, yeah, it's terrible for the environment. But you've got different types of woods in Africa and stuff, which are, which are so much yeah. closer. So yeah, there was, a, there was an article on a boat that was it's like a new model of boat that's being sold i think it was at the southampton boat show i won't say the name although everybody could probably guess what guess what it is <laughs> uh, but anyway so so it's this new type of fiberglass boat the very normal looking production boat but it had two of the ocean vaults um 
engines on it or powertrains or whatever whatever you want to call them and they were like oh this is like the green boat it's like the sustainable good for the environment boat and i was like but just because it's got like two massive batteries in it's still made of chemicals and fiberglass and you know wood from like asia and all that. there's nothing really green about it other than a couple of batteries yeah, absolutely. yeah I, think, I think that's an end like even just I, I won't go too hard on that topic but like the electric motor the debacle i i think it's interesting because uh I don't necessarily think that like our battery chemistry is to a point where it makes feasible sense from an I environment to go with electric. I think you're and like, yeah, I just, I think a, you're still using batteries that obviously take a lot of carbon to make. Uh, they are able to be re re renewed and uh, recycled, which is great. But uh, the whole idea behind lithium, in my opinion, is to get like their full usage out of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and like like our lithium battery, we should hopefully see something like four thousand cycles out of, which is a ton, I and mean, that's a lot. And it, and that only goes down to like eighty percent of its original capacity at that, that point. But when you're using like a lithium battery, like let's I'm just gonna say uh, what's it called, Uma for example, they have a giant ten uh, hundred amp hour battery bank, and they deplete it so fast and and charge it so fast that they're kind of using their battery hard. And therefore, it's not going to last as long as it should. So therefore, yeah. you're going to be using more and more batteries. It's just, yeah. I do. I, There's a lot of money in that, yeah. too. So like the, even the whole idea that it might be cheaper because that's pay for gas, I think that's not necessarily the case because it's still costing a lot more upfront cost for the, for the whole setup rather than just going with a diesel engine. Yeah, and, and then you have all these other things that, and know, with uma in know. mind chris and i love watching uma yeah, we love awesome. their projects we've actually there's a few projects that we've done where we implemented it based off of umas we're like oh that worked well for them Let's and i want I, and i would love to have electric motor on this but like don't get me wrong i think that would be rad not have to have, listen to a diesel and have yeah. to do oil changes and all this crap, just for like, for the common folk and the average sailor there's a lot of progress that needs to happen between now and when it becomes more readily available and sustainable just like, and just like the obvious choice like oh that makes sense. as well as ethical there's yeah. some ethics that go behind green energy as well but um yeah. we're so far in the weeds right know. now <laughs> yeah i've watched a few documentaries on like lithium mining and that's uh pretty much the worst <laughs> so yeah there's, there's a long way exactly. we need to go on that yeah the entire world is is a it's a balance right it's yeah. trade and choosing this or that so um sailing is not protected from that in the slightest so as long as people are aware of that then i think we're already better off but yeah i think the electric motor thing will get there eventually i, I was having another conversation with somebody about it I can't, I can't remember who um but it's like cars aren't even ready yet like you can go and get the most expensive tesla and you cannot drive it across the country without having to stop and charge it up somewhere and that in itself is nowhere near as easy as just filling up a diesel tank or, you know, a gas tank or whatever. Um, and if like, if they're not there with commercial vehicles, when are they going to get there with ocean vessels? Like it's going to be commercial at first. And then by the time somebody's like, Oh, you know, there's a, there's a market of people who have like 30 to 50 foot sailing boats. Let's change the industry for them. I'm like, I don't see that coming for many years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's going to be a while off. It's really cool though swinging back to uma that they are spearheading the idea and the concept so i think as yeah. as they gain more popularity and show that it is possible that more people will realize that and then hopefully companies will say okay we need to do something to make a change because this has a lot of buzz because obviously companies are monetarily motivated 
Mm. So they see a whole demographic of people wanting that they will most likely make it happen. So um, that's another good side of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And, and I think like just what you guys do in general, because like, you know, I, me, me and my friend wanted to go sailing around the world. I think, I think when I was about 16 or 17, that's when we first decided to do it. And it wouldn't have been a terrible idea because we had such little money and we were so stupid. Like our, our alcohol budget was like more than what the boat was worth on a monthly basis. So it really wouldn't have worked. Um, but the YouTube has really changed the way like this part of the industry is perceived or, or at least how people look at the lifestyle because before it was an old man's thing like i remember like we were looking at sailboats and there was nothing on youtube at all like nobody was documenting anything um but now there's so many more young people want to do it and like you know from walking around your marine it's like there's, there's always at least a few like young couples living on a sailboat whereas i mean i don't know what it was like before but i don't even think it would have been possible before just because of the way you know jobs uh business works like people can now work from home like you know you can do uh, work on your laptop then you know whatever uh, that wasn't possible neither so yeah i think the world's changed a little bit but also like what you guys are doing and making available to people it's inspiring people to take up like a really cool lifestyle as well a little bit of like the stigmatism too of like oh you live on your boat like you must be like i don't know you must be like Ooh, weird. you're homeless or yeah like, like, well <laughs> yes we are homeless um, but we're not or no we're houseless we're houseless. not houseless yeah <laughs> I think, there. <laughs> I think that's changed too like I, i've met a, a lot of people now where i tell them i live on a boat and instead of being like oh that's weird they are like oh that's cool i've seen this and that and this on youtube I'm like, oh anyway so cool yeah. to like be able to relate a little better and, with the general public and there's and there's a lot of crossover between van lifers are i was gonna mention that next yeah it is incredible how how um society and i'd say the younger generation changing. is mm -hmm. redefining the the white picket fence i mm -hmm. idea what success looks like. I mean, um, having a mansion used to be kind of like the pinnacle of success, having a mansion and all these cars, but the younger generation is moving away from that, which is awesome because it's yeah. more sustainable to be happy with less. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, our boat is still technically bigger than our apartment was in Tahoe, but um, we have all we need and more. And yeah. people often ask, a, ask us, hey, would you ever move to a bigger boat? Would you ever upgrade? And it's really hard to think about that because not only all the work we've put into this boat and it would be absolutely just, I can't even imagine watching this boat sail away with some other couple or some other person, but also because I can't imagine what we would do with more space Yeah. as well as how much more sanding we would have to do with a bigger boat. <laughs> all the varnishing. <laughs> I can honestly say no. There's no other boat that I think we would upgrade to. I've always said that too. Like if kids come into the play, and I'm not whatever life happens. Uh, if that happens, that's the only time I could think about trying to go bigger. If anything, yeah. I've tried to go smaller many times. Like I, I wanted to buy an, <laughs> uh, like an Orion 27 or like a Flicka 20 and just call a Yankee we, 30 for a minute. Yankee 30, I, like any any of those under 35 foot boats. Because we would have gone cruising two years ago. Like, it, you really, I mean, it's, it is literally the linearary way of go small and going out. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it is what it is. So, like, the fact that we have a 40 footer is great, but there's a lot. And I tell this to every single person that asks me to like give them a boat recommendation. I'm like, go small. Like, like if you want to go sailing or cruising, go small. 
you will have a lot more time on the water and you'll have a lot less time in boat yards and sanding and doing all this. Obviously it depends on the small boat too. Chris's brother lives aboard a Hans Christian 33 and those are probably one of the best boat designs for small vessels because you truly feel under like 35 feet. under 35 feet you feel like you're stepping into a 40 foot vessel but it's 33 feet yeah. and then there's the bowsprit. it's it's a really well laid out design and um there's not many other designs that mimic that efficiency i mean like space. yeah there's, there's like obviously there is the benefits of bigger boats so like you're faster you're yeah, there's there's it goes on and on and on but like Again, if, if like the core premise of why you bought the boat is to go sailing, go sailing, go sailing like that, that, uh, that's my only sense. And we've also come to that conclusion with many of our projects too. They may not, Chris always liked to be absolutely perfect. Um, his whole family's motto is if you're going to do something, do it well. Jo yeah, yeah, Every job worth doing is worth doing well. Yeah. And he's carried that mentality. So it's taken a lot of time. To I'm kind losing of it though. Like even like the floors right now. <laughs> I'm getting over it. Uh, I pull off the floors and, and underneath, I haven't painted the bilge and I don't plan on doing it's it now. Clean. It it's is clean. It's clean. 100% clean now. That was one of the but... first things we did. We bought the boat was literally like with a hot water and, and a citrus de degreaser. I yeah. scrubbed the entire bilge. I'll share the photos with you. I just but found them the other day. Anyways, Marissa's like, you're going to paint it like, right? Like, right? While, you're, while, while this is there. all in here, we should like crawl apart and paint. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stuff that you could just forget about. Yeah. Like, thought about am I ever minute. going down here? Never. So great. I don't need okay. But yeah, things like that where it's like, nope, we're going sailing. It's a cruising boat. It's yeah. it's good enough. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. We're really working on accepting the good enough idea where even though it's just good enough to us, it's still exponentially great. Exponentially better than what it was. Better sure. than what it was. And many people would agree with that. But yeah, just that's we got a lot of work still <laughs> yeah i mean if you compare it to living in a house you won't think twice about moving into a house if it needed a new kitchen you'd just be like yeah move in let's do a new kitchen or something you know yeah. it wouldn't, wouldn't stop you from doing it uh, you got you got like 90 degree angles and 45 like everything's square and perfect and we straight actually, we built It'd be a, so easy to be, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> over, over the holidays we built a deck and put a hot tub out on in a chris's one mom's day. beach house in yeah. one day it took <laughs> one day to pour foundation demo too. Yeah. it was like all in one day it was, like, oh, it was cool. so bizarre we got it done and we all looked at it and we're like that's it that was it that was it we don't have to okay it's, okay it's weird <laughs> some sacrifices are worth making not having a floor is oh, currently our, one of them. Cat, our poor cat she's like walking around the floor just like all of her paws kind of like this just it's it's, like, it's so why? sad why is this happening yeah. She'll, she'll survive we've that's what one thing we're gonna to have to figure out when we go like full-time cruising is we've got five cats and it's oh not um, yeah i'm not a crazy person from a cat <laughs> point of view but um we used to we, we lived on an island before and uh, everybody used to bring their cats that they didn't want onto the island because they might not get squashed by a car or whatever but like we, we used to go jogging every day. And every time we saw a fluffy one, we were like, oh shit, I want that fluffy one. So we used to take like the fluffy cats. <laughs> you know, we used to inject them and, and do the stuff with the vet. And then we used to give them away. But then, you know, there's some that are just so fluffy and so cute that you have to keep them. So we ended up with like five. It is actually my fault. I shouldn't say it isn't because it is. Um, but yeah, so we need to figure that <laughs> Uh, that's why we're thinking like towards catamarans we're like we, we're going to need a bedroom just for the cats <laughs> probably there's a play on words there you can you can make a very successful sailing channel just with that whole dynamic <laughs> yeah it might get a strange reputation as well though so maybe not <laughs> <laughs>